You're listening to Academic Gig, Episode 6. Academic Gig is a podcast for current and aspiring academic creatives, freelancers, and entrepreneurs. Along with every episode, we post show notes with links to resources mentioned in the episode and a full transcript. You can find these materials, sign up for our email list, and share your ideas for episode topics at academicgig.com. Now, on to the episode. Hey, Sarah. Hey, Katie. How are you? I'm good. What's going on with your business? Oh, man. Lately, there's been a lot of administrative tasks. You know, they tell you when you start your own business that you have to do it all. They're, 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 not, they're not kidding about that, you guys. <laughs> this takes uh, a lot of time, too. It does. Oh, my goodness. So I've been working a lot on, you know, getting contracts lined up for presentations. And that requires, you know, doing a W-9 for every pre- you know, presentation organization I'm going to and balancing my books and making sure I get my invoices out and all of that kind of stuff. It just eats up more time than you think it will. So that's what I've been working on. How about you? Um, I have been thinking about onboarding new clients because I am currently onboarding new clients Mm -hmm. and I'm trying to systematize that process a little bit and think about what are the things that I need, you know, like what, what's the information I need from a client when I first start working with them. So I'm not like sending them six emails, you know, like I need this, I need that. Like, Mm -hmm. How can I kind of really create systems where it's very smooth and obviously looks a little more professional when I'm onboarding <laughs> these new clients? Um, but also your your point about um, the admin stuff reminded me recently I've outsourced uh, travel and I'm using a travel agency to help me book my travel because that was a huge time suck for me. Mm. And I I book a lot of my own travel because I like to have control over timing and stuff like that. And, um, even just like going in and having to do it all the time was just, um, a lot. So I'm a, I'm a big fan of outsourcing, which I think we will talk about in another episode, I'm sure. But, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, admin stuff is a lot. It's real. (laughs) There's a lot that goes into it. Yeah. There, there are moments where I'm just dreaming of the time when I can hire an admin to take care of all of that stuff for me, because that would be really, really nice. But we're a little ahead of that game at this point, a little little before that's going to be able to happen. But today, uh, you want to you want to jump into the topic today, which is all about starting an LLC. So how do you get the project going? So speaking of hiring people, um, (laughs) I think that so one of the things we wanted to talk about today, and that Sarah and I get a lot of questions about is like, how do you even go about forming an LLC? Like, what are some of the logistics of that? And um, I chose to hire a lawyer, Sarah did not. So I think we can talk a little bit about the process of what we went through to form an LLC. But for me, it also involved hiring an accountant. Mm -hmm. And um, there's other kinds of things about business bank accounts and all kinds of fun stuff that is involved with that. And so we thought we'd get into some of the nitty gritty details. Of course, we are happy to take listener questions for things that maybe we don't cover in this episode. Um, But if you have been wondering about how do you even go about doing this, uh, we're going to get into some of that today. So Sarah, let's start with just when did you like realize you needed an LLC? Yeah, well, so this was back when I first started my first LLC. So for those of you who who haven't uh, heard from some of the earlier podcasts, I am a veritable business mogul in that I have two LLCs uh, at this point. But the the first one I started was a was a partnership LLC, um, and so when my business partner and I were first starting out uh, and first thinking about taking on our first client we knew because we were both involved in it and because it was, you know, going to eventually result in splitting 
uh, splitting any any profits and any income that we needed to get all our ducks in a row right away. And so, uh, so she and I spent a lot of time on the interwebs, <laughs> um, googling things about how to start an LLC. The good thing is, is that with the internet, it's a lot easier to get some of those basic answers just by. Um, digging in a little and, and kind of doing some of that learning. We also had the benefit of um, having a few people in our in our circles uh, who had done this before and so could get, could kind of advise us in the process of, of starting the LLC. Um, you know, the, the thing that's, I think, complicated about LLCs is that there are different ones depending on if you have a sole proprietorship, so just one person, or if you have multiple people. Um, and there are some very specific kinds of things that you have to get set up um, before you can register for an LLC and that it just sort of is, is good business practice to do. So uh, if you've got two members, um, it's good to have a, a very uh, straightforward, op- what they call an operating agreement, where it's very clear, you know, if the business goes under, who gets what um, and who owns how much and all of those kinds of conversations uh, and, and, you know, detailing all of those, those logistics. Um, and I think that's really important, especially if you're going into business with somebody uh, to, to really think about because it's a lot of those really scary questions, the things that you think are never going to happen. Like what happens if you have a huge falling out um, and one person wants to leave the business? Like, how does that work? Um, You know, and I've had friends who have actually had to deal with that. And so having, having that kind of stuff set up ahead of time is really, really valuable when you're getting that LLC started. So for me, the process started very early, but it was, um, it was kind of an interesting thing going through and having those conversations with my business partner about like, okay, but if we end up hating each other at the end of this, you know, who gets what, how does this work? Um, but really important conversations before even doing the, the registration on the government website. So when you formed your second one, yeah, what was the decision making there? Yeah, for that one, um, it was much more about keeping my uh, my business income um, and and financial pieces um, separate from my personal. Uh, and so one of the reasons to start an LLC LLC for those of you who are thinking about it um, is to provide you that extra layer of legal protection. So say you take on a client and um, you know something goes goes wrong and they come back and say, you know you didn't do this work for me and they try to sue you. If you don't have an LLC and you're just sort of doing this out of your own, um, you know, your own personal, uh, being paid personally, you don't have the protection of the business, right? They can go after your home, they can go after your assets. Uh, whereas if you do the business through the LLC, all they can do is go after your business, which is still not, you know, <laughs> that's not an insignificant thing, but it protects you personally. And so when I started that, it was very much with the idea of keeping keeping those things very separate and keeping the finances separate um, and and making sure that I had all my ducks in a row so that when I was doing business, it was through through my business as opposed to me personally being contracted for things. What about you, Katie? What what was the process for you in terms of thinking about how and when and what to do with the with your LLC? So this actually came up for me because I was working with an institutional client and they said, you know, it would actually make it a lot easier to pay you if you were an LLC. Oh, interesting. And I was like, oh, maybe I should think about that. I mean, like I I was honestly not something I had like pursued. I didn't know very much about it. And so I talked with my partner about it. And this was also the time where I had been talking with my institution. I work for a state institution 
And we were really trying to be clear about what my consulting business was on the side of my work with the state institution. And I've talked about this on previous episodes, like really trying to keep those things separate. And so I felt like, okay, this is kind of killing two birds with one stone. You know, I can make it easier for people to pay me and I can really separate this out in a way that it's very clear. And so, um, speaking of outsourcing, I mentioned earlier in the episode, I outsourced some of my travel um, arrangements. I decided to hire a lawyer because I, this is one of those areas where the easiest thing for me to outsource is something where I don't feel confident that I can do it well. And I outsource for my own peace of mind. You know, like I want to make sure that I am not going to like screw something up because Mm -hmm. I just didn't know enough about it. And at this time in my business, I did not have the time to really go into this and like Google around and figure out. And I agree with you. All that information is out there. I mean, mm-hmm. like you can totally do this on your own. It, you do not have to hire a lawyer if you don't have the resources to do that. Um, but I did. And I was just like, and this was an investment that we just, my partner and I decided to make. So I hired a lawyer to help me kind of go through the paperwork. And what was nice about that is he already had like the operating agreement language. Mm-hmm. You know, like there was a lot of stuff that I, he, he basically just asked us a few questions and I answered them and he filed the paperwork. Yeah. So, um, and that was super nice. I, and I, I asked him a bunch of questions too. And we basically like, this is our lawyer now for the business. So if I have to, so at, at one point I added my partner to the LLC. So we now co-own it. And, um, he put in that paperwork for us to do Mm, that. mm -hmm. So, um, and the other piece I think actually about having an LLC that I really like is when you do an LLC, you get what is called an EIN number. And this is a, a number that you can use in replacement of your social security number on forms like a W-9. Yep. So if you are having to do tax paperwork for your business, and I was never comfortable like giving out my social security number to all these different kinds of businesses and stuff that I was working with. And um, I really prefer to have this other number that I can use and it's still tied to the business and it still allows me to kind of fill out all the tax paperwork appropriately, but I'm not like faxing around my my social security number. Um, so that's something else that I kind of like about the the possibility of it. So I decided to outsource it and have not regretted it at all. I think that um, it was a really helpful way to do it. But as I did that, I learned several things along the way about things like business insurance, business bank accounts, which I want to jump into next. So Sarah, do you have business insurance? Uh, I don't actually. That's yeah, no, I don't. <laughs> Because when you were talking about like people coming back to you and like suing your business, mm-hmm. you know, like that, that was one of the first things I thought about was, you know, like, oh, that's part of why I got business insurance. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually some places that I work in the contract I sign for my business, it like basically stipulates that I have to have business insurance. Yeah. Yeah. So I think this really depends. And one of the things I want to say about LLCs, too, is that it kind of depends on this on states too, and on yes. uh, on individual states' rules about that kind of thing. So um, you're right. There are some there are some places that you actually, as a business, have to have business insurance in order to do business with certain clients. Um, but, and also in terms of setting up your LLC, it looks very, very different state by state. And so I'm in Minnesota, and Minnesota is actually pretty easy to set up an LLC, and it's pretty straightforward and not a ton of, uh, you know, hoops to jump through. And I know, you know, people who've started businesses in other states, 
states. Like there's a lot of stuff you have to go through in order to do that. So I think that also contributes to the thought about, you know, do you hire a lawyer? Do you do it yourself? It just kind of depends on on the state by state rules. Um, as for business insurance, it's definitely something that's on my radar. And I think it's something that um, I will probably be, be doing sooner rather than later. So if any of my clients are listening and want to sue me, please don't yet. Um, but I think I think it's something that's worthwhile to do. Um, but it's something that hasn't come up for me yet, uh, just in, in the work that I've been doing so far. So one of the things that I didn't realize, I, I feel like this is going to be an episode where you realize like how naive Kitty is about business. So, um, and Sarah too, ho- don't worry. Hopefully that's fun for our <laughs> listeners to hear these things. Um, but one of the things I didn't realize, and this was actually, it came up when I was doing the business insurance. Um, and this is one of those areas where, and another reason why I added my partner to the business, because he's the one who kind of researches a lot of, a lot of this kind of administrative stuff. But when we were looking into it, one of the things we realized was, you know, let's say I have a consulting trip and I live an hour and a half away from our nearest airport up in Portland. And he drives me mm-hmm. up to the airport to drop me off. And on the way back, he gets into a car accident. That is covered by our business insurance. Mm-hmm. That's because it was a business trip. Yep. There was a business reason why he was driving me up to the airport and driving me back. If he goes to Staples and buys me a ream of printer paper for the business mm-hmm. and gets into a car accident, that is covered by the business insurance. Like there, there, and not, and we have car insurance and all these other things, but there are things that you wouldn't think of. Mm-hmm that are covered by your business insurance, that even if you're like working out of your home and you're not like seeing clients in your home, like I think a lot of people think about it like that, like it's physical things. Like what if a client comes in your home and like falls down the stairs, you know, like Mm -hmm. something like that. But there are other parts of your business that are covered by it that I think it's, it's important to at least look into it. Even if you're like, I don't have a, I don't have a need for that and it's not required. Mm -hmm. It's something to definitely consider because there are things that get, covered under it that you might not think about. I think that's true. And I, I also think it, it really depends on the type of business you're trying to start too. And yes. I, when I first went through, um, you know, went through this with the first LLC and then, uh, you know, again with the second one, when, when thinking about business insurance, it was, it, it's, as with any kind of insurance, it's a little bit of a sort of risk assessment, right? Like how likely is it for something to happen that you would want to use business business insurance specifically for? Um, and due to the kind of work that I do, the, the risk is lower. And so I think that worked into the equation too. Now, if I were, you know, doing a brick and mortar, you know, office park kind of situation, then yes, of course, right? Like, it, mm-hmm. so I think it really depends on a little bit of risk assessment. And also, um, you know, where do you want to invest your your money? Or, do, you know, do, does your personal insurance cover you in a way that you're comfortable with at this point for the things that you're talking about, like driving to the, you know, airport and getting in an accident? You know, if you have, if you have enough coverage under your personal insurance, does it, is it worth it to buy business insurance? You know, there are all of those kinds of considerations to take into account. Um, but, but I definitely think it's, it's not one of those things that you say, oh, I'm not doing this. And then therefore I'm never doing it. I think it's one of those that you kind of have to put on your annual calendar to like check in on and say, okay, how am I feeling about this? Is this something that we want to invest in this year? You know, has the business grown enough to make it worthwhile to invest in this, uh, or to, you know, to, to do these kinds of processes a little bit differently than we did before. 
Yes. And this is also something where I sought my lawyer's counsel Mm -hmm. and I asked, you know, like, because, so first of all, I think a question that people would ask is like, how do you find a lawyer? Like, because I did not have one like sitting on retainer. Um, and I basically Googled around and found someone locally. I wanted someone that I could see locally easily, easily. And Mm -hmm. that's kind of hard where I live because a lot of people would like, you'd have to go up to Portland or something for certain kinds of services. Mm -hmm. But I wanted somebody that was local and that it wouldn't be a, you know, a pain to go visit this person if I needed to set up a meeting. Um, but also I wanted somebody who worked with small businesses. Mm -hmm. And so that's really what I looked for was like, I need somebody who works with small businesses. Um, and so when I found this person, I, I asked, I was like, you know, in your experience working with small businesses, talk to me about what are some of the reasons you might want business insurance? Mm -hmm. You know, like I, I needed kind of that counsel of like, should we do this? You know, like why, why would it be important? And, um, it was required for some of the things Mm -hmm. in, in the, the legal side of stuff. And so we did it. But also, I think it's just I, I do sign contracts with people in other states where they're requiring that I have it. Yep. Um, so anyway, but I think that that's the kind of thing that you could utilize a lawyer for it would be a good thing to put on your list of questions. If you're going to talk with someone anyway, mm-hmm. about having an LLC, if they work with a lot of small businesses, they might be able to talk with you about the pros and cons of having business insurance for your particular situation. Yep, that's a great point. That's this is probably also a good time for us to offer a disclaimer that we're not lawyers. No, and we're not giving any kind of legal advice on this. No. We are just sharing our own personal experience. So, Which um, might very likely be wrong. <laughs> well, and, and really, I, like you said, Sarah, I think it's such a good point that state by state, this really varies. It and there does. is a there is a resource that we can put in the show notes that does break it down by state. Mm-hmm. And it actually talks about like, what are the different LLC requirements in each state? I, I ran across this when I was initially Googling around and that was part of like, okay, I'm hiring a lawyer. Like, yep. I don't want to deal with this. <laughs> yep. Um, but one of the other things that I did not realize when I was forming my LLC is I needed to have a business bank account. Yep. And this is something that actually threw me into a little bit of an imposter syndrome tailspin when I was meeting with my lawyer and I actually came home and recorded a podcast episode for my other podcast about it, like immediately that night, because I was Mm -hmm. like, I feel like a huge imposter starting my business. And we can link to that in the show notes too. Um, But the, the, he was like, okay, so you'll need a business bank account. And I was like, what now? What do I need? Um, (laughs) And he's like, yeah, and you're going to have to put some money into it. And I'm like, how much money are we talking about? You know, yep. do I need to put into this? And he's like, well, typically it's this number. And I'm yep. like, yeah, I definitely don't have that number. Right. And he's like, okay, well, what do you have? And I was like, well, this is what I could do. You know, this is what I could swing. And he was like, okay, that'll work. Mm-hmm. But it, it gets put into like your operating agreement and into mm-hmm. some of your other paperwork that you have this business bank account. And something that I did wrong that I want to share, because if it could save other people the pain, I want to um, tell them about it, is that... I created a P.O. box as an address for our business. And the main reason I did this was because I use MailChimp to send out newsletter um, information that's tied to my business. And at the bottom, you're required to give an address. And for lots of reasons that are probably obvious to our listeners, I did not want to put my home address down at the bottom of this (laughs) email. It's going out to hundreds (laughs) of strangers, you know, like that just didn't seem like a very smart thing. And, and obviously my partner would not have been happy with that. So we created this PO box and, and we do our business, you know, through this PO box. And this is what I give to people to like, if they're mailing me a check or something like that, they can, they can mail it to this PO box. So when I was doing my business paperwork for this LLC, I was like, oh, well, this is my business address. And so I put the P.O. box into the LLC paperwork. 
Well, the LLC paperwork is what you have to use to get your business bank account. Yep. And mm. banks will not take a P.O. box address. Yep. <laughs> as your business. Now, I had no way of This is like Katie's naive about business. Like, I had no way of knowing this. I, I And so, and they were like, well, we need you to have paperwork from the government that says you have a business and that says that it's at an actual street address. Yep. And because I work out of my home, you know, it, it, it is at my home address. But I didn't have any paperwork mm-hmm. that said that. <laughs> yep. There was nothing. And I, I went through so many phone calls with oh. my bank, which is, by the way, an online bank. So that didn't help. it. I couldn't, like, walk into a brick and mortar and actually, like, sit down and talk to anybody. So I was, like, on the phone multiple times trying to figure this out. And we eventually figured it out. But I was like, this is the kind of thing that I wish my lawyer had realized I was naive enough not to know. Mm-hmm. So he would have mentioned to me, like, you should not do this. You should use your your street address. I was just trying to keep it separate from my home yep, as much as possible for the reasons you've mentioned, Sarah, too. Like, I don't want anyone to go after my home. I don't want my home to be associated with my business, even though I work out of my home. I mean, it was yep. like a whole thing. So um, if that helps any of our listeners to know that, do not put a P.O. box on your (laughs) business paperwork when you have to then open a business bank account. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Well, and the the somewhat annoying thing that's happened as a result of having to do that, right, of having to put in your home address as your technically brick and mortar place of business, not P.O. box, is I get, I don't know if you get this, but I get crap mailings oh, yeah. from so many places like oh, oh yeah. here's your giant i i got an a giant like office supply catalog the other day and i was like what why i don't first of all i'm a little annoyed that they have access to those lists uh first of all and secondly like why would you send me a 300 page catalog of all your office furniture i'm just gonna throw it away i don't know I, yeah yeah no there's <sighs> definitely an there's an uptick in credit card offers there's yep. an uptick in all kinds of things that you get to so it's annoying but it is really um, annoying. but you, there is like no way around it nope. like if you if you need to get a business bank account and you do it is required well at least in my state this mm-hmm. is the part where i really don't know i mean yeah. like your state could be totally different than my state but it is required. Um, so I, I feel like that leads us in, Sarah, to um, accountants, which yeah. is another part of this. So do you have an accountant? I do. Okay. He's great. So what, what was the process <laughs> behind that? And how, like, to you, because I think some people could probably form an LLC without having an accountant. But, mm-hmm. like, what was that process for you of, like, thinking through that? Yeah. For me, the accountant, uh, again, sort of came um, from the first partnership LLC. Uh, and I will say that like starting a partnership LLC makes a sole proprietorship LLC way easier. <laughs> it's you, you've kind of thought through all of the hurdles and all of the, the difficult stuff, um, you know, and, and gone through that once already. Um, and so when we first started that LLC and came around to tax time, again, sort of the feeling of feeling out of your depth, um, my business partner and I were just like, uh, 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 like I'm not trying to do this on my own. This is not something where um, I feel like I can do my own taxes and do them right. And so to me, that was a, again, a risk assessment. Like we could have figured it out. It was not like we were rolling in the dough. It's not like we were making so much that the IRS was going to be like, well, I don't know about this. Um, but we wanted to make sure that all the way along from the very beginning, 
we had the accounting right and that we had our taxes right. And so we um, reached out to a few friends and, and got a couple of recommendations and found somebody um, who was both affordable, which is also a part of the equation, uh, and and also great to work with. And so, um, you know, we've worked with them for the last several years. And it's, it's really easy because they do all of their stuff like online through a secure portal. And so it's not like I have to send in copies or mail in stuff. Um, I can kind of just scan and, and upload and then they take it and run with it. It's amazing. It's, it's just a huge weight off of my shoulders to know that somebody who is a trained professional is dealing with that part of the business because it's such an important part to get right, um, especially when it comes to taxes, that, uh, yeah, that that's just been, it's been a huge relief for me. Um, and then starting the the second LLC, again, I, I have talked to that accountant and said, okay, like now that I'm doing this and that I'm doing this full time, there are, there are implications about my personal income uh, income taxes and all of that kind of stuff too. And so having that conversation and having that person that I can call on and be like, okay, now I'm making this much, should I be holding more back for taxes this, you know, for this year? Um, and even the question about, do you file your quarterly taxes? The answer to that is yes. Um, and how do you do that? How do you go about doing that? Um, and so just having that expert to talk to and be like, okay, I don't know what I'm doing here. Tell me what I need to do. You know, here's where I am. Here's what I'm anticipating for the year help me out, um, has been really, really great. And, and I think to him, I'm really easy client in the sense that I'm not super complicated. There's not a ton, even though I have two LLCs, there's not a, a ton, um, of really complicated tax stuff going on. And so, uh, this accountant is not only our, our business accountant, but also a personal accountant for, for me as well. And so it, it helps to kind of have all of those things in one place. He knows everything that's kind of going on and has a, has a, has his finger on the pulse of, of exactly what's going on with the, with my business businesses and, um, and with my own personal situation too. And so that's been, that's been really helpful. How about you? You have an accountant? I do. Um, so also I want to offer a disclaimer that we are not accountants. No, we are not. (laughs) As we are talking about these things, um, we recommend you talk to professionals. Um, so, but I, the other thing I want to kind of differentiate between, and, and I'll talk about my accountant a little bit too, is that there's accountants and then there's bookkeepers. Yep. And, accountants in my mind are really the people who are like helping you with your taxes. Yep. You know, like this is their main purpose is to make sure you are not screwing up your taxes. And like you, Sarah, I, I've never done my own taxes ever for my personal anything. I have always hired an accountant because this is not an area, but again, my own peace of mind. Mm-hmm. I have always scraped together the money I needed to hire an accountant to do that. <laughs> um, and now it's a little easier to do, but even like when I was in grad school, when I was in my early career, like we have never, you know, we've always hired this out. Um, and so it made total sense to me when I was starting a business that I needed an accountant you know, and I was going to be hiring someone to help me with this. And I had an accountant who was referred to me by my lawyer. So he had worked with this person. He, a lot of his clients work with this person. This person kind of specializes in small businesses. So I felt good about the fact that my lawyer knows my accountant and my accountant knows my lawyer like that. Mm-hmm. I like having a little bit of a team situation there. Um, and not that they're like talking with each other about my business, but I don't know. It was just like a nice comforting thing that yeah. this is a small town and, and, and these people know each other. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but also what was interesting and, and you'd mentioned this idea of quarterly taxes. So this is something I'm still kind of wrapping my brain around because the first year that I hired my accountant, we did not file taxes like for my business because of when the LLC was formed. Um, and so a lot of the stuff that was coming in as revenue for my business wasn't coming in when I had an LLC. 
And so it got filed as part of my personal taxes. Mm -hmm. And then this year we're filing it with my LLC. And, Mm -hmm. and so this is the first full year that I've had an LLC. And so we'll be filing it that way. And this is, this is where I'm like, definitely not an accountant. And I want to get your perspective on this, Sarah, because I feel like I have a very rudimentary understanding of this. So my understanding is basically that you get kind of a grace period in the first year of your business where you don't know what your quarterly taxes are because you don't know what your revenue is necessarily for that year. Mm-hmm. And so you don't pay quarterly taxes. Like mm-hmm. you're just paying it at the end of the year, like you typically would, you know, or the beginning of the year, whatever, you know, like when you typically would pay taxes, you're paying the taxes for your business. But then you're using what you made that year in revenue as a way to estimate what your quarterly taxes will be moving forward. And that can be adjusted over time. But this is something that like I had heard about from like other business owners, like podcasts I listen to and things like that. But I didn't have any idea what it was. So for our listeners who do not know this, when you have small businesses, LLCs, you pay taxes quarterly. Like you're not, it's a different structure that, and again, Katie's naive. I mean, some of you are probably listening to this going, duh, we know this. Like, <laughs> I, fine. That's fine. If you know this, but I would imagine there are some people listening who do not know this. So mm-hmm. it is a different structure. And this is another reason why it was useful for me to have an accountant because mm-hmm. I could ask stupid questions and be like, how does this work? Yep. You know, like talk to me about how this gets estimated. And also because I have a lot of business expenses that get deducted. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're not right now pulling regular salaries from my side business. A lot of it's getting reinvested into the business. So I had a lot of questions about like, what can I write off? You know, like what, what exactly is being counted as revenue? You know, like, so I think that, um, that was a big thing for me was to, I wanted somebody I could go where I, I trusted them and I could ask questions that other people might think were kind of stupid um, so that I could really kind of wrap my brain around this. So do you have anything to add about the quarterly tax thing in particular? Yeah, the first is to say, my understanding is also that you have a, a year grace period to kind of figure it out, but that also um, you you might get dinged a little for it if you're really, really off. So if you st- suddenly go from you know, making $2,000 a year to suddenly making $200,000 a year in, you know, in your business, uh, and don't pay quarterly taxes that year, the IRS maybe is not going to be super happy about that. So from when I talked to my accountant about it, I was like, you know, he said, well, you can you can wait and pay it all at the end of the year. uh, And that's fine. But, you know, there's also a, 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 I forget, some percentage that um, they might ding you for having not paid taxes quarterly, kind of depending on the the situation. And I was like, oh, well, I would rather go ahead and pay it in now and then deal with the balance of it at the end and be pretty close uh, and not be, you know, at, at risk for that, partly because I am taking salary, you know, so I think that's the other dis- uh, distinction between you and I, Katie, is that now that I'm fully self-employed, my LLC, you know, that that money is coming in and yes, paying for business expenses and being invested into the business, but is also paying me as a human to live in the world. And so, yeah. so that's a different, uh, you know, that's a different differentiation as well. And so I think that kind of plays into it. Um, and again, not an accountant, don't actually know what the tax code says, but um, based on, again, my comfort level and my understanding of, of the situation, I was like, let's go ahead and pay in and, and make that happen as, and make it a, a regular 
regular part of my business from day one so that I know what that looks like. Uh, I can kind of work through the kinks this year and then next year, you know, know exactly how to, to do those, those sorts of things. Um, and I, yeah, I think it depends a little bit on state. I think it depends a little bit, um, you know, on, on how much you're making. And again, are you investing it back in the business or are you, you know, are you paying yourself? What does that look like? Um, and how, yeah, yeah, how much are you bringing in per year? Those kinds of things all factor into this equation about how much, um, you know, quarterly taxes to pay or whether you pay them annually or, or whatever. So, um, yeah, again, talk to a trained professional about these things because yeah. Sarah and Katie don't know. <laughs> well, and also I think, you know, again, what people may not realize is that self-employment income is taxed differently. Yep. And so I just didn't want to have to worry about any of that. But I think that, um, the other piece that's really important is to really know what you're making, because exactly for this reason of the quarterly taxes, like this has been a pretty good year for my business. And I'm actually afraid I'm not going to be able to do this in the future. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like uh, speaking of fears, which was a, a recent <laughs> episode that we talked about, you know, like what if I can't make the same revenue and then I'm paying these taxes on revenue that's not coming in, mm-hmm. you know, like that's always a question too. And I feel like the more, you know, your numbers and your calendar and what you're trying to hit, you know, like you need to have kind of some revenue goals and that helps you to kind Mm -hmm. of map this stuff out. But I had also mentioned earlier the difference between an accountant and a bookkeeper. Yep. Um, Which again, naive Katie in business, but you know, like there's the, there's the accountant who helps with your taxes. And then there's actually like the bookkeeping of what money is coming in, Mm -hmm. what money is going out, Is it something that you feel could be deducted from your taxes, like as a business expense? And also, like, how are you tracking these things? And this is something that I think is like super important, but also super intimidating to some people. Like, how do you like start to track this information? So do you have a system? Like, first of all, do you have a bookkeeper and or do you have a system that you're using to track this? Um, I do not have a bookkeeper other than... um the the wonderful piece of software that I use to do this. Uh, and so I started using um, QuickBooks Self-Employed is the, the platform that I've used. I've also heard great things about um, Fresh, is it FreshBooks? Is that right? Yeah, and I use FreshBooks. So you I use FreshBooks, okay. Yeah, and um, yeah, I really like having this uh, because you can basically link it to your various bank accounts and uh, and credit cards and all of that and, and note which things are business expenses and which ones aren't, which ones are business income, which things are personal income. Um, you know, somebody writes you a check for your birthday or whatever. Um, so you, you can really differentiate what's what um, and it helps you keep track of those business expenses. And I don't know if FreshBooks does this, but... Um, but uh, QuickBooks self-employed actually gives you an estimate on your um, quarterly taxes as it's as it's tracking your um, your expenses. And as your revenue is coming in, it'll say based on what we're projecting, you know, based on what's come in already and what we would expect for the next six months, which, again, is kind of arbitrary because, you know, you might have periods where you're bringing in lots of money and periods where you're not. And so it's a little little arbitrary, but it gives you an estimate of what your next quarterly tax uh, amount would be, um, which is helpful because it at least gives you a sense of like, okay, I at least didn't have that much money on hand in order to, you know, pay my quarterly taxes appropriately. Um, and so, so that's really nice to kind of have that metric. It also does a nice job of tracking mileage. So, um, it, there's a handy dandy little app where you can, uh, basically turn it on and it'll do, you know, track your location and as you're driving around and then you can 
uh, basically mark whether that was business travel or whether that was personal travel. Um, and so really handy tool uh, to kind of keep track of all of those things when you don't want to have to um, be thinking about it constantly, because honestly, you do have to kind of think about it constantly. And so to have some tools and some some programs that help with um, keeping track of those receipts and keeping track of your mileage and all of those kinds of things is is really a, a weight off my shoulders to to have that um, as a as a way to kind of keep track of those things. Yeah, so I, I would definitely jump on the bandwagon of like recommending that people have a thing. Yeah, I mean, whether it's QuickBooks, whether it's FreshBooks, like it, you probably should have some system. And for some people, it could even just be an Excel spreadsheet. I mean, if, if yep. you're fancy with Excel, I think go for that. Um, but I chose to use FreshBooks in part because I was hearing about it on like every single podcast I listen to. They sponsor like every show. Um, we are not sponsored by them, though. <laughs> we are not. Let's Sadly. Be clear. FreshBooks, if you're interested, um, come knock on our door. Um, but I think that I was interested in FreshBooks because it has an invoicing system. And I, that's kind of why I originally signed up with FreshBooks is because I didn't want to be creating invoices in Word. Um, and sending them to people. And so FreshBooks has an invoicing system where you can email people and then they can pay by credit card through that invoice or they can pay by check, you know, in the mail. Um, but it basically gives you a record of like when it was sent and whether or not they read it so that you can have a clear sense of what's going on, you know, with um, your clients and how you're billing them. And so that was originally how I used FreshBooks was primarily for that because I didn't have a lot of business expenses. I really just had invoicing issues. Mm -hmm. And, um, now I use it a lot with, um, so basically, and this is something we, we actually need to catch up on, but this is something my partner helps me with is basically what we try to do is on a monthly basis is take our business credit card and make sure that everything that's on that is in FreshBooks. And so that we can basically say, these were all of our business expenses. And then as people are paying things into the business and paying the, you know, the invoices that we're sending out, we're marking it in FreshBooks. So we have a record of like mm -hmm. when things were paid, how it was paid by. And then it also allows me to keep track of all of our clients because I have a record of all the different clients that we've worked with and when um, just by, you know, because I've been sending them invoices. Mm -hmm. um, it also allows me to send people estimates, which I really like mm -hmm. because I will often have people say, I want a proposal and I want an estimate of cost. So I can send a proposal with a formal estimate where people can see this is what I think it will cost for me to come out and, you know, do this thing. That's especially something I do for speaking engagements. Um, and so, but the other nice thing about FreshBooks, and this is probably also true of QuickBooks, is that you can give your accountant access mm -hmm. to yep. the information and you can also create a various reports. And I actually think that I have not looked into this because I'm not yet at the place. I will be very soon paying quarterly taxes, but I'm not yet doing it. Um, I'm not yet at that place. And so I, I would imagine it probably does that. It probably does some of those calculations, but there's definitely other reports that it runs that allow you to kind of see, you know, on a quarterly basis, how much income are you bringing in? How much are your business expenses? It allows you to assign different business expenses to certain clients, mm -hmm. um, which is helpful, you know, if there are certain things that you need to be getting reimbursed for. Um, and also it allows you to do some time tracking as well. And uh, there is a team functionality within FreshBooks that, that you can use. So there's lots of different functionalities that I have not gotten into just because I don't need them necessarily. Um, but it's a pretty robust platform. So I, I have found it to be very helpful. And it's a, it's a monthly fee. 
So if people are interested, we can link to it in the show notes. Um, but that's how it functions is based on it is basically based on how many clients you have. Mm. So if you're a relatively small business, um, the fee is relatively small. Yeah, I, I find having having that, um, that software system or the basically the thing that's kind of partially automated, but and, and also is kind of keeping me organized is super helpful and gives me a huge amount of peace of mind. And so the yeah, the monthly fee is totally worth it for me <laughs> for the just for that peace of mind uh, aspect. But I also, you know, just sort of as a side thing, I um, keep track of uh, the things that I have agreed to or contra- you know, e- whether I've signed an co- official contract yet or not, the things that I'm expecting will come in by the end of the year, I have a little spreadsheet where I keep track of that stuff. Because for me, I think it's helpful to know, okay, where am I in my yearly revenue, right? I've made this much, I can see that this much is sitting in my bank account. But how much am I, do I have coming in in the next six months, right? What does that look like? What, what have I contracted through the end of the year? Um, and so that's really helpful for me just for a quick and dirty look at like, okay, where am I? Whereas sometimes um, kind of drilling down and, and going into the minutia um, in in one of those software programs can, can be a little overwhelming, <laughs> I find. And so that's that's a tool that I've found really helpful is just having a kind of tracking uh, little spreadsheet where I track, okay, this is happening on this date and here's how much they said they'd pay me for it. Um, and especially for speaking gigs and that sort of thing, kind of keeping, keeping those ducks in a row can be a little bit challenging. So I found that to be helpful too. Yeah. And I feel like you're so much more fancy than I am because I keep that, but I keep it in a note on my phone. I use the <laughs> nice. notes app on my iPhone and I have like a running list. And I, I also check off on that list because you can do little check marks like when I've been paid. Mm-hmm. So I have like the upper part of the list is what are the things that like contracts have been signed? Like I know the money is coming in yep. and then I check off whether or not the money actually has come in. Mm-hmm. And then I have a list that's a little bit underneath that. That's like, what are the things that could be like people have inquired. Mm -hmm. And so I also keep a running list of like, if all of these things worked out, this is what my income would be. So it's kind of like the stuff that's on deck, but I don't have official and things get kind of moved on and off that lower list quite a bit because Mm -hmm. I, you know, like someone will be like, I'm interested, but then, you know, they need to wait or whatever. So it's not gonna be this year, it's gonna be next year. Um, But that allows me also to see kind of what are the possibilities of if I really was like pushing it for this year, you know, like, could I increase my income by like another $10,000 or something mm-hmm. like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's funny, because I think, you know, we're talking about all of these details. But this is the part of running a business that sometimes people who are like, I'm going to start my own business don't always think about right away. Yeah. And I didn't necessarily think about right away. Um, you know, I wanted to start my own business because of the freedom and I wanted to do the work that I wanted to do and be able to work from home in my pajamas if I wanted to. And you know, those kinds of things. It wasn't because I wanted to become an expert in bookkeeping. But, you know, you kind of learn along the way. And so a lot of the things that Katie and I are talking about today, I hope I hope is helpful for listeners, um, especially those of you who are thinking about starting a business, you know, things to keep in mind as as you're making that uh, that transition and that jump, um, there's a lot of details that you got to keep track of and that are um, sometimes hard to keep track of and questions that you should be asking and thinking about and those sorts of things. And you don't know until you know. Um, and, and a lot of the journey of starting a business, I think, is figuring out what you don't know and asking for help um, and asking for input from, from professionals when you don't know. Um, there's nothing wrong with that. You can feel a little dumb, but that's okay. That's why we hire other people for things. Yeah, exactly. Well, and I think also, like, there is this moment, like, especially early on, you feel really silly. 
oh, when yeah. you have like a fresh books or a QuickBooks and there's like two things in it, you know, yeah. like, and you're like this, like I, you feel like, you know, <laughs> what, what am I even doing? Like, I don't need this. I could just remember it, you know, like yeah. I could just keep it in my brain. But that, that moment goes by pretty quickly. Like yep. in the, in the large scheme of things, you know, all of a sudden you will have things to put yep. in there. And then it's like, you will wish you had started it from the very beginning. So even yep. if you're like, I don't really feel like I need this quite yet you might want to consider doing some of this stuff just mm-hmm. to kind of get it set up. And so you get into the system of it because like right now I feel like we are at a place where we need more systems, mm-hmm. but we didn't set them up from the beginning. And so it doesn't feel like a habit, you yeah. know, like we're still trying to kind of work that stuff out within our business. And um, yeah, so I don't feel silly no. if you want to kind of start it from the beginning. And also don't feel bad if some of this, you know, if you started your business six months or several years ago, and some of this stuff is new to you, or some of this stuff is like, oh, I hadn't considered that. Like, that's okay, too. You know, after this, I'm making a note to self to uh, <laughs> investigate business insurance more specifically. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. Should I have I been mean, doing that from day one? Maybe. Yeah, mm, well, I whoops. functioned <laughs> as a business. I mean, not as a business. I functioned as a, like a consultant and a speaker for like three years before I formed an LLC. You right. know, like, and I was, you know, I, I wasn't doing anything wrong. It just, Mm -hmm. I didn't need it yet, you know, and then I did. And so I formed it. So I I agree with you. Like I, this is definitely not an episode that's meant to shame people into like, why aren't you doing these things for your business? Um, but also I would be really curious to know if we have listeners who have other things that are like, I can't believe you didn't talk about X, Yeah, you know, and, and maybe we don't know about that thing. So you (laughs) you should tell us and, and we can, you know, address it in a future episode. Um, but I, you know, we do not know everything about this, but this is just from our own experience, the stuff that we get the most questions about Mm -hmm. and that, you know, we're most impactful for us as we were kind of launching our LLCs. So yeah. Sarah, anything else you want to add before we move into the resources? Well, just that it, that it truth time guys, like y- you just, you jump in and you kind of try it as you go and you learn things along the way. And then you learn later that you were maybe kind of an idiot about some things. And, you know, a part of, part of this, the process of starting your own business and launching into self-employment is to have a healthy dose of forgiveness for yourself. Uh, and, and a little bitty sense of humor too. never heard anyone. Um, And so there are things I'm sure, like you said, Katie, that listeners are probably like, why didn't you talk about this thing? We're still learning too. And we're still trying to figure this thing out. uh, And, um, you know, give ourselves a little bit of forgiveness and grace along the way. Yes. Yes to all of that. All right. What's your resource for this week? Yeah, uh, my resource this week um, is a book that I read back in the day when first starting in in consulting and first kind of getting my feet wet in the world. It's called, um, it's actually called Getting Started in Consulting. It's by Alan Weiss. and it's it's a, a great kind of introduction to consulting, like things that you wouldn't necessarily think about when you're first like, I just want to work for myself. Um, you know, things from establishing goals and expectations to what does your office space need to look like and what does marketing look like or sorting out the legal and financial and administrative duties, all this, these kinds of things that we've been talking about today. So I found that really helpful just to kind of get a lay of the land of the things that I needed to be thinking about as I moved forward. So I would definitely recommend that and we'll link to that in the show notes. Um, for those of you who are just kind of getting started and thinking about doing some some side consulting or, or jumping into self-employment. What about you, Katie? What's your resource for today? So for my resource, I thought I would just remind everybody that we've got this list of 100 plus resources that we give out to people who sign up for the mailing list for the show. And that mailing list is really just like, hey, when we have new stuff, you know, like we let you know, 
Um, it's a great way for us to stay in contact with you. But when you sign up for that, you get this PDF list of a bunch of links and it's like blog posts. Um, it's books that we really like and have found helpful. Um, this one that Sarah talked about is on the list. Um, it's podcast episodes, you know, all kinds of other resources that we have found useful and they're divided by category. So like there's a category, for example, on public speaking, and there's a different category on social media. And it's really targeted to um, academic freelancers, creatives, and small business owners who are trying to figure this out. And it's all the stuff that we found to be really helpful collected in one place. So if you have not yet signed up for our email list, you can do that at academicig.com and you will get that emailed directly to your inbox. And I think it's just a treasure trove. I mean, it's the kind of thing I wish I'd had and that I love when other people do because I'm just like, I just wanna like, you know, crawl through all these things and see what could be of use to me. Um, and there's just so much good stuff out there, but it takes a lot of time to find it, you know, and, and we've taken the time to collect it for you. So we want it to be a resource for you. So go to the website and you can also find our show notes there for all of these episodes and shoot us an email and tell us you know what you're liking about the show what you want us to talk more about tell us your own story about being an academic creative freelancer entrepreneur we want to hear all about it and thanks for listening to this episode we'll talk to you all next time bye thanks for listening to the academic gig podcast we hope you enjoyed the conversation and heard something useful that you can apply in your own business Show notes with links to resources mentioned in the episode and a full transcript are available at academicig.com. There, you can also sign up for our email list and receive over 100 great resources for recommended books, blog posts, and podcasts for the academic creative, freelancer, and entrepreneur that you won't want to miss. You can connect with us on Twitter at academicig, or you can also find Sarah at Dr. Langworthy and Katie at Katie double underscore Linder. We'd love to hear from you and continue the conversation about this episode. There are several other ways to connect with the Academic Gig podcast. Visit the website to post a comment about a specific episode, suggest a future topic, or ask a question that could be featured on a future Q&A episode. If you like what you heard, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes. It helps us out and helps others find the show. And as always, thanks for listening.